You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Here we go, episode 51 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm your host, C.C. Broadus, and I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, are you there? Yes. Did you say episode 51 or area 51? Which one was that? Oh, yeah. Speaking (laughs) of, June, they're going to release that report. They're going to tell us where all the UFOs are. Oh, really? Yeah. The the government. It's all in that COVID deal that they made in in Congress. Yeah. So here, get ready. June, we're going to, ET's coming. I trust the government implicitly, so... (laughs) Absolutely. And we're also joined by Brandon No-Show Jaggers. Yeah, I'm just so happy to be back. I'm uh, not in my dungeon tonight doing my podcast. Got my house to myself. And uh, it's beautiful weather in Kentucky. It snowed yesterday, and it's 65 today. Brandon, do you know who uh, George Jones is? (laughs) He's a country music singer. Do you know what his nickname is? No. (laughs) George No Show Jones. Because he he would miss a lot of concerts back in the day. But Um, he has one of his most famous songs is about horse racing, right? CC, did you know that? uh, Is that Here Comes Pride at the back? The race is on. I'm not going to sing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll, We'll practice that. We'll I love seventy. I love seventies country. Love yeah. it. Love, the one love thing it. I'm never late for though is fishing. Yeah, Brandon came out to my house over the weekend and caught a big. What was it? A three, three and a half pound bass. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful bass. That's yeah. uh, that's ironic because we went to Mike Lennox for the event, the uh, Twin Spires event, two days later, and I think I ate about three and a half pounds of fish. So sounds like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it was catch, catch and release at the farm. But um, anyway, uh, guys, Kentucky Derby is what eight days away, nine days away, nine nine days, nine days away as of today. This is Thursday. Uh, let's rewind the clock back on November twenty second, two thousand twenty. It was a cold day at Churchill. I know this because I was there, and they were just starting to allow people to come back to the track. And, but it was a cold and miserable day. I mean, it's just it's just one of those one of those times. It's like, you know what? I don't even think it's worth it to be here. But around the seventh race, there was a horse named Obesos. Yes. That debuted, and he broke slowly out of the gate. With uh, this time, it was ridden by B.J. Hernandez. He was a mile back early, and he closed like a freight train to finish six that day and that was a harbinger of things to come as obesos is now a kentucky derby contender and one of his connections is going to join us here shortly and that's travis foley from the greg foley stable that actually the son of greg foley and alan is going to introduce him and so here we go yeah, so we had our next guest on back in February, right before the Risen Star, when dreams of getting their promising three-year-old Colt Obasos into the starting gate at the Kentucky Derby uh, still seemed like a dream. And now here we are just two months later, and that dream has become an awesome reality for assistant trainer Travis Foley and all of Team Foley. 
And before they get into the starting gate with Obesos on Derby Day in nine days, we'd like to welcome Travis back to the auxiliary gate. Travis, number one, thank you for doing this again. And number two, congratulations on all the fun with animals, buddy. Appreciate it, guys. Everything's great. Uh, glad to be here, and thanks for having me back on. Oh man, we we you know we said this back in uh, February. We we're hoping maybe you get. It looked like maybe you guys could. Uh, this horse could be good enough to get in, get a catch, couple breaks, uh, improve some route distance, and all of a sudden, the cards fell into place, and and here we are. So I mean, how is Team Foley feeling right now? Is it, is it excited? Is it nervous? Is it cautiously optimistic? Are you, you know, we want to win or is it all of the above? How, how are you guys feeling? Well, we got our biggest, I guess, last hurdle out of the way today with our work. And I, I mean, we're as optimistic as you can be. I mean, this is, isn't total trainer speak. I would not trade places with any trainer or horse in the field. I mean, we, we love our horse. We think he's improving, um, getting better and better each day. Love everything about him, um, just kind of the setup, I believe, will be favorable for us. And I truly believe that I would not would not trade spots with any other horse. And you heard that, folks. That's not your typical derby trainer speak. They're just saying it. This is a podcast. I mean, he's telling you what he thinks. They wouldn't trade places with him. Um, I can understand this horse is very talented. Uh, and you mentioned that work today. Uh, I personally don't pay much attention to a lot of racing experts, racing analysts. But one of the guys I do pay attention to is Mike Welsh, uh, the daily racing form clocker. He was raving about that work today. He was raving about it, said he got better as he went along. I think he went seven furlongs and 126 or so. Uh, what did you guys think? Is Were you as excited as Mike Welsh appeared to be? He, I mean, he did the, the first half as easy as you would want. And then Marcelino did just kind of pop him, pop him on the shoulder, right, the wire. And, uh... He just kind of said he was just looking around a little bit and just kind of, he wanted to kind of get his attention. And when Marcelino popped him, he took off again. And he, I mean, if, if anything, yeah, the gallop out was, it was just jaw dropping, just how he just kind of took off. And just from our standpoint, when he got back to the barn, I mean, he, he did enough. If, I mean, if not a, a nice, if not really, really strong gallop out, then when we got back to the barn, it was like he didn't do anything at all. I mean, when you if you would have watched him, you're like, man, he was really, really cooking around there. But uh, this horse just doesn't get tired. He he just kind of has a great, great cruising speed. And then uh, the jock kind of thought again, he would just kind of needed to be asked a little bit just to just to focus and uh, finish his gallop out. And he and he was by himself. You're seeing a lot of the horses work, work in right. company. And we we don't like to do that just because it kind of gets them keyed up a little bit more than than we're looking for and uh yeah it was i mean typical trainer speak but he he did every everything right he came back like he did nothing and we're just going to kind of take it easy on him into the race you know uh, when, when you were on with us earlier with the brian bernard by the way we want to congratulate brian bernard owner uh, co-owner of old basils i mean he's got to be tickled pink we're going to try to talk to him again in the future um, but when we had you guys on a couple months ago, we, we, it was before the Risen Star, and you know the, the question mark at that time was he was a closing sprinter. He's shown a lot of a a lot of talent as a closing sprinter, but there's there's no question mark uh, with uh, going the distant route of ground. So he really seemed to move forward in that uh, 
Well, in that in that race, the Rhythm Star, he made the big colding sprinter move and he kind of uh, one pace late. But then in the uh, the follow up, Louisiana Derby, he at a mile and three sixteenths, he, he, he that kick went further. He he closed. He looked like a router that day. Does that give you kind of uh, some confidence that the mile and a quarter that 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 second that another route try he, he's got it up his sleeve? I mean, yeah, as far as the two races, if you were to talk to me in between those points, because just like you said, going into the Risen Star, I was as bullish that day as I am right now going into the Derby. And then after the race, he ran what we consider just kind of an okay fourth. Right. I mean, he, he did he did enough to where you were like, oh, he ran okay, but he wasn't finishing like we liked. And again, we thought we were going to win the race. So when you leave after a kind of suspect fourth, you're just kind of like, well, what, what does he want to do? And we were kind of waiting for him to tell us exactly what he wanted to do. And uh, if there would have been a different option, we might have gone that path. But just before this point, you know, you're kind of in for a two time winner, you're in pretty much derby fever. So the, the Louisiana Derby was kind of really the only option that we even had. And uh, he ran well enough in the Risen Star to take that chance. And thank God that we did because, I mean, the Risen Star was just a, a completely different story. He he looked like he needed more ground. He looked like he had improved immensely his second time two turns. And I left there that day thinking not only do we run the best horse, but we could win the Derby. And we were ecstatic leaving the track that day. Yeah, I can imagine because, you know, he almost got second. I thought you were going to get second. He went inside Midnight Bourbon, I think, late and almost caught that horse. Uh, did you have any regrets that you didn't get second? Or was like, oh, whatever, we got a good horse. Uh, the money comes down the road. Well, sure. I mean, it cost you a hundred grand and you wouldn't have had to sweat out the derby points. Yeah. I mean, there was, I definitely wish we would have gotten up another two inches, but, uh, he was the only horse closing that day. He galloped mm-hmm. out in front. I mean, there were so many positives that, and again, we were kind of debating on whether he was a seven eighths, a miler, or was he, would he improve again on his second two turn race? And I mean, he looked like he was every bit of a classic distance superstar after that race that, you know, all he really needed was a kind of a, a slight bump forward. And, um, you know, you're, you're at a level where you can win the Derby and that's kind of where we, we hoping we are now. Yeah. That's kind of what I was encouraged by the horse. I thought he was, you know, he's like, he's made for the Pat day mile and that, that the routing was, uh, something to be concerned about, but no, he, he passed that test. I mean, I think he could do all of them. So uh, you got right to be excited. Uh, let's talk about Marcin, Marcelino Pedroza right now. There's a lot of a uh, talk this week with uh, the connection to Rocky World putting uh, replacing Rispoli with uh, Joel Rosario. Uh, but you guys, on the flip side, are sticking with Marcelino Pedroza, who a lot of people don't know outside of Kentucky and Indiana. Um, what made you guys stick with uh, taking a chance with Marcelino on this spot? Is it just the right thing to do, or just like the way that he rides the horse, or what gives? It was a pretty easy choice for us. I mean, really, it was um, coming from last year's situation. Uh, we felt obviously we were high on major fed. And then uh, when the rider and agent elected to go on a different route, that left us a certain kind of way. And uh, basically the same thing happened this year. And, um, you know, when you have a, a horse that 
is obviously the best that you've got in your bar and we think very highly of that we wanted somebody that felt kind of the same way and uh we talked we kind of thought about it and then we talked to marcelino and he was equally as juiced up about the opportunity to ride the horse and uh i can imagine right and obviously we've done really well together uh in his two his two appearances on him and marcelino is he is equally as excited i mean it's his first derby and all that kind of stuff but he's currently planning his his week he rides a lot at indiana he's indiana's leading rider but he's planning his week based on what we're doing with obesos and that just meant a lot a lot to right. us he's and marcelino's a really good rider it's not that he can't ride he's just maybe not as mainstream as a lot of people think but he's um Hey, just it, it means he's part of the team. It means a lot to him. Um, this is the best horse we've got rolling, and uh, it's the best horse he's riding, and he acts like it. And uh, mainly just everybody's kind of on the same page. Yeah, you know, a lot of people didn't think Mario Gutierrez was a mainstream or Stuart Elliott, and we see what happened with those guys, right? They, they're derby-winning jockeys. So let's hope Marcelino uh, joins that list. Um, yeah, you got your outfits picked out yet? You know what you know what you're gonna be snazzing up at the Derby Day. Um, my lady sent me her dress, so I have to pick something that will match that. Oh, I see. I know that's a big deal. Like the rest of us, me, you know, we don't we don't have to worry about it, but I know you guys do. Um, I'm gonna ask you about some of your other horses here in a second. I want to give these other guys a, a crack <laughs> sure. at you here, Travis. Go ahead, guys. I, I've got a couple questions, you know, and. <laughs> Travis, when you're when you're thinking about this race, where do you think they would put or position Obezos, you know, say by the half, you know, half mile in? Where do you want them to be? Uh, well, in this race, just traditionally, by that point, 75% of the field will be cooked. Mm -hmm. And uh, with us being a come from the clouds, I I just hope he's in a position to kind of avoid the tiring horses and uh i mean it's a half pole he should be kind of making his move um i'm not saying that marcelino's in a drive or anything but just kind of weaving i think he'll just be idling along passing tired horses just that's the the thing about the derby there's so many horses that just rock and roll and are trying to win early that there's a lot of tired horses at the three quarters pole so uh i, I just think he'll be Depending on how we break and all that kind of stuff, and we'll be we'll be towards the back, and we're just gonna try to pick up as many pieces as we can. And uh, depending on when they start to back up, we should start to move forward. Yeah, and, and you know, don't forget about the draw, obviously. And yeah, I mean, I'm envisioning this horse, man. If you get that rail trip, even if you're sitting off, you know, 10, 15 links behind. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even sweat anything. And then <laughs> once you make that final turn kind of the mind that bird if you will sneaking up the rail really like he did in the louisiana derby he got he got that rail shot and he was still gaining ground and i think like everybody says on that gallop out you know he he went past the winner in second place and uh you know and, and then the workout this morning i watched him you're it's funny i mean the horse for the first four the first four furlongs i mean the recorded work his head he was looking around you know he was like you know, he was fine, and, and then all of a sudden he kind of turned, and yeah, and it's it's funny how he likes to react late. So, 
that's kind of what I'm envisioning, and I'm I'm super excited to see it. I'm playing yeah. you guys. Obviously, it's as my as a good long shot, a good price. I wish I had you in Derby Future Poll pools, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. And we're excited. And again, just the way that he handled the Louisiana Derby, he was he was last, but he idled. I mean, he was in striking position, kind of turning for home, and that's just his cruising speed. Hopefully, has him not ridiculously far out of it once once they turn for home but i mean i I, i'd like him to just be comfortably traveling and i think he'll be comfortably passing horses um then that'll put him in hopefully when once he gets cranked up he can try to win the race yeah and that day that louisiana derby day i mean hot rod charlie set a new track record sure those weren't those weren't tired horses good point horses they were finishing home and in the Derby with the 20 horse field and all that kind of stuff, there's going to be a lot backing up more so than they were that day. I mean, no, Hot Rod Charlie and Midnight Bourbon ran really good races that day. Yeah. <coughs> See, hey, hey, Travis, uh, just curious. Uh, a lot of the Derby contenders are going to have their final workout over the weekend, but you guys chose to to put in that final workout today. Was there anything that went into that decision to, to do the workout a little bit earlier? Or, and in addition to that, are you, is there a chance you would blow the horse out maybe a day before the derby or two days before, maybe like a quarter mile or three, three eighths breeze? Um, mainly it's just how we operate. Uh, we don't, we're not big, big work guys. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of people work every seven days, that kind of stuff. That's just not how we do it. Uh, we've, we felt like we've had a fit horse for, for a while now and um we just kind of let him do his thing so i mean we feel very comfortable with where he is fitness wise and uh mainly just want to keep him healthy and happy which is kind of why we did it uh when we did and then blowout wise no again that's just not really what we do um everybody's got their own way and that's just we're just kind of going about it methodically just kind of standard protocol uh team foley way all right so uh travis we talked to shelly riley on monday night she trained casual lies to a second place finish in the derby back in 1992 and what one thing that struck me from our our discussion with her is uh, even though casual lies was a long shot in the derby they they came to win they thought they were going to win the race and I, I, I'm gathering from talking to you, you, you kind of feel the same way. You're not just happy to be there. You want to, you think you, you got a legitimate chance to win the race, right? You're exactly right. And, hey, all right. And that's a lot of trainers probably feel the same way. And, uh, but I mean, we've been doing this, I mean, not the Derby per se, but racing a long time to know when you have a live horse and we've weighed the competition and uh, there's a lot of good horses, but. We we love where we are and we think we're improving and uh, and again you need you need the racing gods to shine on you and some good luck and a good trip and all that kind of stuff but again we I me dad all of us we we wouldn't trade. Go ahead, Alan. Well, you know, actually you talk about all the racing gods. The racing gods have kind of helped you out so far, haven't they? As you've moved up that points list, uh, you've had the, the defections come through. It makes you wonder if their karma is, doesn't play a little bit of a role in this too, because you've had the right horses drop out and you're in. So it makes you wonder if uh, the racing gods may, may have you in their sights a little bit. Very blessed, brother. Very blessed. <laughs> well, we'd love it. Hey, I want to ask you real quick about, you know, I mean, I've got one of the Foley's, one of the, le- the legendary Kentucky family on a phone. 
So I want to ask you about a couple other horses, if that's okay, real quick. Uh, Absolutely. Okay, Sconson. Sconson, I, I love this horse. Seven furlong closer. Where can we expect him next? Will he be running on Derby Day? She is. She's running in the uh, the Philly Mare Distaff on Derby Day. And she ran at Keeneland. And I, we didn't really have a reason why she didn't fire. Um, the pace was, was weird a, that day, I thought. The pace was a little bit weird. It was, but we... Uh, I'm not going to make an excuse for her for whatever reason. We just didn't, we didn't have it that day. And she's, she's an awesome filly. I mean, we've, she always shows up, all that kind of stuff. Just for whatever reason, she didn't get over the Keeneland surface that day. And uh, we're going to swing at them again. And I believe Gamine's coming in for that. Oh, so obviously we're going to have our hands full with her. She's the best there is. And, uh, but I mean, we love our filly and just going to, Hopefully we can draw a line through that Keelan race because she she breezed actually right before Obesos this morning. She went lights out and uh, she loves Churchill Downs. So hopefully we can rebound stronger. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If they hang a 44 half in that seven furlong race, folks, you better keep your eye on Sconson from the back. This horse is a stone cold one run dead closer who can pass them all. This horse always has a chance, in my opinion. Um, we talked about Bango last time. Where, what were we looking for with Bango? He's actually running in the same the same race, the boys' race, which oh, okay. Um, he he just ran. I thought he ran a good race at Keeneland. I did too. Uh, and he 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 actually does not really like Keeneland that much, but uh, we just kind of didn't really have any other place to run him. And uh, he loves Churchill also. So if if we get the same cast of characters in that race, I think he I think he'll have a shot because I was. He kind of had a press pace that day, and uh, we, we liked ran, his effort. He ran on a little bit, as I remember. He kind of ducked did. inside he to get fourth. He ran a good race and was kind of – he never really was comfortable kind of in between the whole way around there. If a little better trip and on, on his home surface, I think he can get a big piece of it too. I always, I'll always believe that about Bango. Uh, Attorney Tim, I know he's a, he's entered on Saturday in the turf race, and I've maintained for a long time this is a mile and an eighth horse. I think you think he can go even longer. You get to this horse pace, I'm telling you, if this horse gets pace and gets a nine furlong trip, he's going to blow by them all one day. And uh, but I don't think they're going to go on on the turf Saturday. It looks like we're looking for rain, but yeah, you guys know he drives me nuts. He's he's thrown some of the best races and numbers in our barn, and then. We'll come back with a stinker, and it's just it's a head scratch you all around. But uh, he is entered Saturday night, and they're calling for just ridiculously bad weather. So um, probably look for him in a week or so. But he's yeah doing great. Again, he's out of Bobby's Babe, which is uh, the Lloyd Madison, really nice mare. So he's well bred. He's got a great family, and he's I mean he's ran some really nice races. He's just kind of hooked some really really tough horses and a lot of those seconds he's had he's been five lengths in front of the third place horse he's just kind of been a bad luck horse i've been saying for a long time he he, he gets in the gear real late but once he gets in i mean he he plows late uh so i'm looking forward to seeing him run two more and i'll let you go i know you got you probably like to get back to your family after what's a busy week uh yes it's ginger i think you own that with brilliant stable i think michelle lovell used to have the horse has turned into one heck of a turf sprinter off an injury where can we expect this one next she is running in the little stake on Thurby. Um, oh, yeah, really? Ginger has been an absolute awesome addition to to the barn. Um, <clears throat> we've just been lucky with her. Uh, ever since we've had her, she's just kind of been 
she's a really just unique personality mare and she's just a fireball um is the best way i can describe her but uh she's a fun group we got brilliant and uh one other partner and they're they're a fun a fun partnership we've had nothing but success since we've had her and she she had a great ellis park last summer she had a great fairgrounds this winter and uh she's earned her chance to to try state competition which um she just kind of keeps every time i think she's a certain level she kind of keeps out outperforming that level so she's she's earned her chance and uh it wouldn't surprise me she's training as as well as she ever has she runs really well in that state Done a remarkable job with that horse off that injury. And one last one, I, I have to ask about this horse. It's a uh, CC will get a kick out of this too. The one of the more interesting horses I think I've seen around these parts in a while. And I don't know if, if he's if it's a he or a she. I can't remember. It's still racing, but Late in Revenge. Late in Revenge is always a fun horse for me to watch. You, you cannot beat that horse out of the gate. You could not beat the horse out of the gate. But usually by the top of the stretch, you know it, he, he kind of packed it in. But uh, what was the deal with that horse? And occasionally he'd wire the field, uh, or she. I'm, again, I don't know which one you're it was. Exact, you're exactly right. He didn't always pack it in. Didn't always. There was about twice a year he would not pack it in, and he always left you thinking it might be that time. But he was just like the Ginger Partnership. He was a a really fun group of of owners and just people that were involved in the horse. And uh, he's one of my my favorite horses that we've ever been involved with. But uh, for whatever reason, he just he just kind of decided that he didn't want to do it anymore. So we actually uh, gave him and retired him to he's on a quarter horse farm. He's a siring quarter horses. Very right? fitting, very fitting with that horse. Right. So, but he was he gave us some great days at the races. Yeah, he was a he was a fun one to watch. I mean, at the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint was a was two furlongs. That horse would be twenty for twenty. He was incredibly fast out of the gate, and he would every once in a while he'd hold on. So you always had to keep him keep him on your ticket. But uh, <laughs> that's that's the quick run through I have of your horses and stuff. So uh, again, uh, we wish you the best of luck. We really mean that. I mean, I think you've got the city of Louisville pulling for you here with this horse. Uh, it seems like he's gaining steam every day, and he looks like he's got a big shot. And uh, we envy you. You're in a you're in a fun position right now Travis. i appreciate you guys and we feel that from the city of louisville and just all our friends and family and the well wishes and uh just the support it means a lot i mean it's obviously it's hard to do what we do on a daily basis but to just get on this stage it's just kind of validation for everything that goes into it and uh yeah i mean if we happen to pull it off i, I wouldn't even know what to say i mean the thought of it's just kind of surreal to even think about well, you know, you say you come back on the Auxiliary Gate podcast and talk about what a, what a thrill that is. How about that? Fair enough. You guys just might have to pay me then is the only difference. Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. We'll come up. We'll, we'll get a collection going. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, thank you guys very much. Whenever you guys need anything, just let me know. You got All it, right. brother. Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Okay, that was Travis Foley, the son of Greg Foley, who trains Kentucky Derby contender Obase Host. And now we are pleased to have our good friend, J.J. Heisel. J.J., how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Wonderful. Right. J.J. did such a good job breaking down the contenders from our last pod with her. He absolutely had to have her back since we're less than, what, nine days until Kentucky Derby 147. And J.J. is going to uh, give us the lowdown on, uh, on the contenders this year. Uh, first of all, JJ, have you been able to make it out to the track, right? Yes. 
And you've seen some of the, the workouts in the morning? Yes. Good deal. Okay. Well, let's just start from the top. We'll work our way from the top down to the bottom and we'll get, uh, uh, we'll get your, uh, we'll pick your brain to, to see what, where you're at on some of these horses. Let's talk about the favorite who I believe will be the favorite essential quality from the Brad Cox barn. Just won the bluegrass stakes. JJ, what, uh, how do you feel about essential qualities chances in the Derby? Well, all eyes are on essential quality, and for good reason. He is the deserved favorite. There's no doubt about that. And in, in noticing how he reacted uh, when we had our our unexpected snowstorm, um, he definitely moves up on an off track. He, we know he loves an off track. If there's an off track on Derby Day, I would move him up even more. However, there is something about essential quality. He has an Achilles heel that has appeared recently. And it is something that does bother me. I'm not a person who thinks this is a Teflon favorite, as we would call it. I do think he could be vulnerable. And what that is, is he has a tendency to stall in the lane. Yeah. We saw this in Bluegrass, right, where he hooked up with Highly Motivated, and it, he was all out to pass Highly Motivated. Well, in his most recent work at Churchill Downs, the same thing happened in his work with his workmate. He did not pass the workmate. He hooks up with a horse, and it's very difficult for him to pass. That is not something you really want to see leading into the derby. You want to see the horse pass the workmate after hooking up with them. And I think this is something that it, it does concern me a little bit going into the derby. Is, is it a, a, a distance thing, or is it just that he likes to hang with another runner? In, in the races where he's come from farther off the pace, it seems like he is he is better able to to pass horses. So it might be a better strategy to have essential quality farther off the pace, so he has more targets to pass. Hmm, I can see that. Also, this horse has pretty much gotten a perfect trip in just about every race he's run, other than his maiden race. I think he had a little room or had a little issue, uh, a lack of space in that maiden run, but. What if he draws down along the inside, you know, post one through six or seven? I mean, it, it, you know, like you said, it, it, maybe something mental going on here with this horse. He is a son of Tappet. Right. And, yeah, those Tappet offspring tend to uh, be a little nutty t sometimes. I mean, it, it, would you downgrade his chances if, if he draws the inside? I would, and particularly depending on who's outside of him. If, if he draws next to Caddo River, or, or another horse that's expected to be up on the pace, that could also be very dangerous because if he gets sucked into an early pace duel, that's not something you want, you want to see with the central quality. So I would be very leery about who he draws next to and who might hook him up. If, if other trainers and jockeys are watching this, which I'm sure they are, and they're seeing that he has this affinity for hooking up, they're going to try to take advantage of that. Okay, guys, if you all have a question for JJ, just jump on in at any time. Uh, let's yep. go. Sure. Let's go to uh, the the likely second choice. That's Rock Your World, son of Candy Ride, just won the Santa Anita Derby in his third start. JJ, uh, the chances of Rock Your World. It seems like there's a lot of pace in here. Maybe maybe Rock Your World has to set off horses. Uh, give me a give me a rundown on Rock Your World. Yeah, Rock Your World, boy, he he really caught eyes with that win in the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, I, I will preface what I'm saying that I think that the California contingent is actually much better than than what people think. I, I think the California horses coming in are not getting a lot of attention because they're they're in California, but I think they are of a higher quality. And I include Hot Rod Charlie in that contingent. Uh, 
But as far as Rock Your World, um, this is a very interesting horse. Uh, he, that John Sadler tipped his hand a bit in some of the post-race interviews after the San Anita Derby when he said, we've been laying in the weeds. They have known this horse was a monster from day one. They started him out on turf on purpose to give him the foundation to moving to dirt, and their whole plan all along has been to bring him here. He knows what he's got in this horse. Now, we also need to remember that we have been here before with John Sadler and Candy Rides coming to the Derby. Yeah. Shall, shall we remember Sydney's Candy, who absolutely detested the sloppy track and ran 17th, I believe. We had Candy Boy, who I don't know why I remember this, but I, I remember the, the last, do you guys remember the last minute? Was it yes. a million million dollar bet on Candy yes. Boy? Yes. Right as they were loading into the gate, he, he wound up 13th uh, behind California Chrome. So what's the definition of insanity? We're, we're doing this again. But I do think that this is I do think that this is the best candy ride that he's brought here. And I think that he knows that he's he's got a monster in this horse. Now, the question is, he's never really had dirt in his face. He's never been shuffled back. He's never faced a really tremendous challenge. He's very lightly raced. The Derby is a whole different quagmire. So if he gets shuffled back, it, how is he going to react to that? Well, here's my issue with Rock Your World, and, and we'll get into this a little bit next week, too. Uh, I I could see this horse bouncing to the moon off the, the, the big, the giant effort, and he's lightly raced. And, you know, I just this is the type of horse. It reminds me of uh, a horse that uh, Pletcher brought to the Derby, Materiality. Uh, you know, I, Constitution didn't run the Derby, but he was a big three-year-old that uh you know got hurt before the derby this is just strikes me these type of horses just they tend to fall by the wayside after they're after after one big giant effort so i think this horse might be susceptible to a bounce that that's a good point and, and you have to look at this is this fool's gold that we're looking at i mean did did he just get the the perfect trip in in the santa anita derby he got he got out to the front like they wanted and he he got his own way and the experience factor, like you said, he, he could bounce. When he's going up against these horses that have raced six or seven times. Well, what, what is he going to do against against that kind of quality quality of competition? All right. Let's go to known agenda. And here's another horse that just kind of burst onto the scene by winning the Florida Derby. This is for Todd Pletcher's son of Curlin, and Ryan Ortiz is riding. What do you think about known agenda? Well, Known Agenda has really become uh, quite a fan favorite since he arrived at Churchill Downs. I could tell you this horse in the flesh looks absolutely amazing. He looks a lot like his sire Curlin, who you know was an absolute beast. Uh, everybody knew when you brought Curlin out that the muscles, uh, th th he just has such a presence on the track. I think that the blinkers really woke this horse up. That was a, a massive equipment change that, that really brought him forward. Uh, he has been a tremendous force since then. And with a rad, the Red Ortiz in the saddle. I mean, what, you know, what better jockey could you get at this this point in time? It is his fourth race in three months, but he doesn't seem to show any wear and tear or lack of energy on the track. Um, I will say though, his work was okay. Um, and this goes to another horse that we'll talk about, Sainthood, whom he worked with. I don't think it was necessarily a poor reflection on known agenda. I think it was a better reflection of Sainthood, who is probably better than most people think. Right. Um, but known agenda, he, he could have done a little better in the work. He is scheduled to work again 
likely tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I would definitely put known agenda. He's in my top five for sure. Yeah, I think Pletcher's kind of figured this derby thing out too. I mean, he's he he's he's figuring out how to get these horses to peak at the right time. Right, and and he he knows what to do with the with the changes, what changes to make, what jockeys to get. Yeah, you're exactly right. He's he's figured out plans and methods that are going to be successful, and he's coming with with a good hand, I think, this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alan, uh, you're a big fan of highly motivated. And, yes. Uh, yeah. So. Highly motivated comes into this race. You think he's going to go off maybe around ten to one, twelve to one? Uh, I say eight to one. I say eight to one. Oh, you, yeah, you said eight to one. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, he's ridden by Javier Castellano for Chad Brown. Now, Chad Brown has never won a Derby yet, but I think that's coming. Uh, it might might come in the form of highly motivated. JJ, what what uh, are you a believer? Um, I I can see why people like him. I, I can see why people like highly motivated. And Chad is very high on this horse. Um, I, you rarely hear Chad Brown talk up a horse like this. So they're very confident. I'm not a huge, there's two things about highly motivated that concern me. I'm not a huge fan of the Gotham. Now he did have trouble at the start of that race, but I'm also, you know, a little concerned about the distance with him. He doesn't have one of the, the greater distance pedigrees in this race. Right. And I'm not sure that he's really a horse who really wants to go a mile and a quarter. Um, I, I think the bluegrass may, may have exposed that. Uh, so there, there's there's two knocks why I don't have him in my top five. But I certainly understand why the, the people who like him do like him. And Chad Brown is very high on him. Yeah, about I, oh, I'm, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, well, one of the reasons I kind of decided on highly motivated is, yes, I had the same distance concerns. He's out of a Warriors Reward, Mayor. Warriors Reward was a was a seven furlong horse. Right. Uh, so, but what I, when, you know, when I, who I see when I see Holly motivated, I see funny side. I see funny side battling Empire Maker down the stretch in the wood. And Empire Maker, the more seasoned horse, got the best one that day. And then he turned the tables on him in the Derby. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Uh, maybe he can outrun that pedigree. Maybe, and I would also add that Holly motivated, what I like is he had to go to the lead in the bluegrass by default. He had to go. I mean, there's no one else to go. He's not going to go lead in the Derby. He might he might be better off sitting off the pace, which he's done done throughout his career just with some success, some success. So that's the reason I'm leaning there. There's a lot of other ways I can go, but you got to pick somebody, and that's kind of my thinking. With how it, and there's also a thing with Javier Castellano, who's coming back off an injury. I mean, would it be a little bit better maybe have a Luis Saez or a Rat Ortiz? Yes, but uh, as you said, Chad's high on him, so. I'm I'm going to side with him, but understand the uh, some of the, some of the problems people may have with the horse. Yeah, so that's a good point about the bluegrass that he was put in a position that he had not been in before and is probably not suited for. And he yeah. still did an excellent job. I mean, almost won the race. Yeah, and it, it was it's to be third off the layoff. He dug in essential as you said, essential quality had a hard time getting by him. Essential quality had to kind of shift out a lane or two late to get yep. by him. Yep. And uh, so maybe, maybe Holly Mullabody is ready to peak third off the layoff, perhaps. But maybe that was a perfect prep for the Derby. Maybe not. But uh, that's kind of why I'm leaving. But again, yes, the pedigree does concern me. I will say that. And you know Keeneland's rail has been dead, I think. Yeah. So, and he was tight on the rail the whole time. And when you said that Essential Quality wavered, he did. He kind yeah. of veered out in the third and fourth path, and then he came back and rehooked up. And then just barely just gutted it out. So and I would add that those two horses 
we're well clear of Ron Bauer, who I think is a really good horse, who yes. I wish was in this derby. And uh, Ron Bauer impressed me a lot in that race, but they were well clear of him. So the distance they separate themselves to from the rest, they, they could be a cut above. They may not be, but uh, we'll see. JJ, are you? Do you read the uh, the sheets like Thurgraph or Ragazin? Uh, sometimes I look at the numbers. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's the next horse I want to talk about is Hot Rod Charlie, who I thought he was my Derby selection until I saw Thurgraph last night, and I was really disappointed with his numbers. Uh, your thoughts on Hot Rod Charlie, who who, uh, who gets six weeks to prepare for this race, and he's trained by a two-time Derby winner, and he's ridden by uh, Flavian Pratt, who excuse me, Flavian Pratt. Well, maybe it is Pratt. Is it Pratt or Pratt? It's Pratt, isn't it? Pratt, yeah. Pratt. Pratt. Okay. Wait a minute. Leandro Morrow's won two derbies? Is that what you're no, telling me? No, no. <laughs> I hope somebody got that. <laughs> Go ahead. What about Hot Rod Charlie? Can this can this horse improve enough to maybe uh, to, to go with a horse like Essential Quality? I think so. I, I think Hot Rod Charlie has been underestimated his whole yes. career. Yeah. And people are going to pay a price if they continue to underestimate him because the, for people who are shocked that he won Louisiana Derby haven't been paying attention. The the horse, had, he, he ran an excellent race in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, that that was an excellent performance. And most of his off races were, were when they tried turf with him. And before he added blinkers, he's another horse. There's several horses in the Derby who have really won up with since they added blinkers. Bourbonic is another one. But Hot Rod Charlie has really improved since the Blinkers, and I was very impressed with with his Louisiana Derby win. I think this horse has a very viable chance of winning this race. And th the thoroughbred numbers, it may not be what you you think you should see for that, but he he's just he continuously gets underestimated. Yeah, what I liked about him was that effort in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, where he he sat far back. And he was able to pass horses. And it just took a Herculean effort by Essential Quality to pass him that day. And, you know, he came back and and uh, he, he ran okay. That was a prep in the Lewis Stakes. And then, then the Louisiana Derby, he was he was primed and he went wire to wire. And it, and it looked like he wanted every bit of that mile and three sixteenths. Exactly. So, and he gets six weeks to prepare. And what I've learned from Thurgraph Sheets, the longer the, longer the prep – time between races prior to the derby the, the the better chance you get a you get a chance to run a new top so i yeah I, i'm glad you said that about hot rod charlie i may i may re-up him again so uh let's talk about another horse that came out of that louisiana derby that's mandaloon uh, brandon loves this horse and <laughs> we 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 don't know what happened in the louisiana derby but we we know he ran an off race so can this horse bounce back i know he looked he's looked good in the mornings Yes, he, he's looked good being at Churchill Downs. His work was very good. Um, he seems very energetic. In talking with Brad Cox, he said he cannot figure out what happened. Nobody nobody can understand what happened in that race because there was nothing physically wrong with him. Um, and he seems to have come out of it very well. The The problem is it's it's very difficult to, to put your money on a horse in the derby coming off of that effort because he's going to have to bounce back so much from that to win this race. This is a horse I see as he's very difficult to predict. I mean, you remember what happened in, in his, in his prep races, you know, when the Lecompte um, was also a little bit of an off race, he, he, he throws a few clunkers here and there. And it's, it's hard to put your money in the Derby on a horse like that. So he, he's a tough horse to predict. I personally don't have him 
in, in my top five. I just think he's too difficult to predict and there are other directions to go. I completely agree. I mean, I could see if you wanted to go deep on a ticket and you want to include him as a, your ultimate X factor horse, you know, if you want to go four and five deep and you, you know, because you're going to get 15 to one off a horse that people thought was going to be the favorite, one of the favorites early on. So yeah, he he's, I think he's the X factor in a race. Again, it's hard to take a horse that's run that poorly before the Kentucky Derby. Historically, it doesn't happen, but uh, the also, he may have bled. We don't know. So Brandon, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> You know, just like I don't blame you for playing. You know, it's I'm inconsistent. You know, the horse is inconsistent, so my behavior and my selection is, you know, it may just come down to the day, see, you know, see where his odds are, and it's, you know, it's a sport of gambling. So yeah, yeah. take a shot. I mean, the horse is well bred. It should go better on distance. I wasn't real thrilled, so I saw him in person, uh, going seven furlongs with an optional claim, uh, back in November at, at Churchill and. I mean, it took a ton. I mean, for him to actually win that race, I thought, and he didn't really beat anybody. So, uh, you know, I think maybe the the added ground could help him. But like you said, I mean, you throw a clunker in Louisiana Derby, it's kind of, I mean, is it bound to happen for every horse? Yes and no. But on the way to the biggest race of the year, I, I don't like to see it either. Okay, let's talk about another horse out of that Louisiana Derby, Midnight Bourbon. This is a horse I thought has looked really, really well in the mornings. But uh, as we'll get into next week, this horse has never passed a horse that I know of. JJ, your thoughts on Midnight Bourbon? Midnight Bourbon is the wild card of this Kentucky Derby. And I say that for the top reason being because of Mike Smith. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's a jockey change that you pray for. I mean, that you want to have in the Derby, that you pray for to have Mike Smith in the Derby. I think that's a huge plus for this horse. Um, another thing is he's people talking about Cattle River and what the pace is going to be like. I think there's going to be a lot more pace in this Derby than than we originally thought. And I think Midnight Bourbon could be headstrong early. When he's training, he is very headstrong. He, he's he's a good he's a good workhorse. But he is a headstrong horse. He, he, he can be a little difficult. And Mike Smith will be a good, a good guy to, to deal with that. But he could be up on the pace early. But I think this horse is definitely a wild card. You just have to ask yourself about the Louisiana contingent. You know, he's coming out of the, the Louisiana crew. And, and what is the class level of that? That's, that's the question. Yeah, uh, if I could real quick, Cece. Um, you Midnight Bourbon reminds me of a little bit is a gopher gin mm-hmm. and that a horse always runs second and third. You never thought they would, they never really won their preps. They always run an honest race. And then on Derby day, they, uh, I think they send the lead and it was over. And there's a couple other horses like that. They, they go off in that 13, 14 to one range. And uh, so he reminds me of that a little bit. The, the question I have with the Louisiana contingent is something I heard the other day. I think Joe Christopher may have brought it up is hot rod. Charlie's a California horse. Right. He walked right. He walked right in there and just and, and picked their doors off. Uh, exactly. So that's something you got to worry is is are the Louisiana horses and we love Obesos and we love some of the other horses coming out of there. Are the Louisiana horses as good as some of those? Because Hot Watch again, Hot Rod Charlie walked right in there and took complete command of that race. When he won, he was in command throughout. So that's that's why I go back and forth on Midnight Bourbon a little bit because of that. That's exactly it. That the horse comes in from another region and just puts it to rest, makes you wonder about the, the whole Louisiana crew. And, you know, you had, you had Proxy and Mandaloon and, and what, 
what is the class level of these coming out of Louisiana? Yeah, I was I was not a fan of people know that. <laughs> Go ahead, CC. Let's talk about uh, another pace injector, Caddo River from Arkansas for Brad Cox. Uh, this horse is almost certain to be top three early on. So what can he, you know, he, he looked really good when he won the Smarty Jones stakes, but that was back in January and he's not really matched that effort yet. What, uh, what are, what are you thinking about Caddo River? Yeah, I, I definitely see him as, as the pace factor. He's a setup horse. Um, a lot depends on the jockey. I, I have not heard of a jockey assignment yet for, for him. Um, at least as of today, I had not heard any, any news on that, but I, in both his wins, he was on the front end. Um, unless they're going to send him and, and hope for a War Emblem-type performance, um, you got to hope for either he's going to change his style and be able to come from off the pace, or he's going to have to front-end it. Um, I, I just I don't see him winning the race. I see him being a big factor in the race. So let's assume Caddo River, Midnight Bourbon, and maybe uh, a type like Rock Your World, Soup and Sandwich, get involved early. We get some faster than par fractions. That's going to set it up for a horse that, uh, for the connections we just talked to, Travis Foley and the Foley Barn, that's Obesos, who right. might be coming late. And we know for a fact that this horse is absolutely healthy and moving forward. What about Obesos? Yeah, Obesos has looked fantastic. And he... He had a great work. Um, he was worked solo. He started out a little headstrong, but boy, that gallop out. That was one of the best gallop outs we've seen from a work in a long time. And so the, the, the hype on Obesos is growing quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> yes. And, and certainly you, you look at his form and you say, well, you know, how in the world would you want to, to put the when you look at, you know, where he's been and so forth. But once again, a lot of it, as, as you guys have mentioned, is you've got to look at also how the horse is coming into the race because these are three-year-olds and, and they can grow and transform uh, very quickly. And I, th- I think that Obesos is really growing into form. I, I would put, I am definitely putting him in exotic bets because just because he is coming into this race looking so strong. Yeah, I we, we just touched on it with Travis. And one of the things that I, I've been a fan of from Obesos from day one, did I think he was a derby horse? No, not per se, but I thought he was a closing sprinter. But then again, that's his first two races prove that. So I have been impressed with the way he has matured routing in such a, a short amount of time. But as I mentioned to Travis earlier, the race in the Risen Star, he made the closing sprinter move on the turn, and then he, he flattened out. That's what happens when sprinters go around the ground. They, they kind of go one pace late. What impressed me was that second race, the second time he goes around the ground, a mile 316th, well, all of a sudden now he's got finished. He's got a bottom underneath him, and he finished throughout the race. He finished all the way down the lane. So he's figuring this route thing out. So the third, it's his third route. I like the progression I saw from the first to the second. So I've upgraded more than I initially did to possibly in the Kentucky Derby. So he, he he's a concern, he's a legit concern. Yes, he has, he has a really interesting pedigree too. You know, he's by Orb, the Derby winner, but on the damn side. Uh, the dam is by Soto, which uh, Soto won the Kentucky Jockey Club many moons ago. That's right. By DeHair. I mean, this is a very you, – you don't see this line very much anymore. This is a very rare line to see. And um, he, he has a very natural, true pedigree. 
um, which, I, which I find very interesting. That's the type of horse, too, that, that you like looking at for your exotic bets, because I, I do think he will get the route of ground. All right, let's just talk about a few more here. Medina's spirit is, I think, is a horse that's kind of interesting. He reminds me a little bit. This is a probably a stretch, but he reminds me a little bit of Real Quiet. When Real Quiet finished second, I think he was second to Indian Charlie in the Santa Anita Derby back in 1998, and Indian Charlie got all the hype, similar to what Rock Your World is. Mm-hmm. He's not getting all the hype, but he's going to be heavily fancied on Derby Day. And Medina Spirit, if if you if you like Rock Your World, you gotta like a Medina Spirit a little bit. Plus it's Baffert. So uh, does Medina Spirit fit in this race? Yes, and I cannot believe really? that Medina Spirit has been so forgotten. Uh, I can't believe he's being so overlooked. Um, after the San Felipe, he had an entrapped epiglottis, and he had minor throat surgery. For that it is a it is a minor issue that affects a horse's breathing. Um, it did require the surgery, and I think going into the Santa Anita Derby, Bob knew that he was not going to be at his best. He was okay to run, don't get me wrong, but he was not probably going to be at his best because the the horse had surgery for for an entrapped epiglottis. I I did not bet on Medina Spirit, and I almost 100% knew he wasn't going to win that race because of that. I encourage your listeners to look up, and I will I will link it on my Twitter account. Trifecta Box is my handle. His Medina Spirits work from last Friday, not his work from today, which was a good work, but the work from last Friday was phenomenal. He got a an unexpected uh, race scenario from an intruding horse, and it was like an actual race. And Medina Spirit blew this horse out of the water. Hmm. And just completely galloped out like you wouldn't believe. I think that he has recovered from his surgery, and I think this horse is legitimate—a legitimate force to watch. Hmm. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to upgrade it, JJ, upon that recommendation because yeah. I'll be honest with you, I—I I, I thought it was a funky cold throwout. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, did anybody have oh, Really? You saw what I did there. You saw what I did there. Oh. But anyhow, I had to get one pun in. Anyhow. <laughs> Uh, the, anybody have Protonico in the Kentucky, Dyer, uh, Kentucky Derby Sire Wager? Protonico. He was in the field, for sure. He was number 24, Protonico. Yeah. All the yeah. others. Yeah, I don't doubt that a bit. So uh, that's a $1,000 purchase, correct? Didn't they buy the horse for $1,000? Uh, originally. originally. Yeah, yeah, 35 at, at Ocala last year. Well, I, but I'm going to upgrade from that because uh, I hadn't, JJ. I had not g- given the horse much thought, so that's on me. Yeah, and- Protonico is not a well-known sire, obviously, but he won the Discovery, the Ben Ali, the Ali Sheba um, by Giants Caldway. So it's it's an unknown, you know, more of an unknown, lesser-known pedigree, but it's certainly a, a solid pedigree. I mean, it's, I would compare it to, like, the California Chrome's pedigree, which was more yeah. regional and, and less people <laughs> knew about it. It's, it's a similar Florida regional-type pedigree. Okay. Let's talk about the couple of the Pletcher horses. Uh, the horse I'm kind of interested in is Dynamic One. Mm-hmm. Uh, he his third pattern kind of reminds me a little bit of Commanding Curve. He ran second behind California Chrome a few years ago, and I think this horse might be coming around. Uh, would you agree with that, JJ? I, I would agree with that. The Dynamic One is a puzzle. Um, I I would predict. Dynamic one would be the Belmont winner. I, I would predict this horse would win the Belmont stakes. 
Um, I, I see him as developing. I don't know quite if he's ready for the Derby just yet, but he is, he is definitely improved quite a bit. He's, he's woke up his two races back and he's got an interesting pedigree by union rags, second to greatest honor down in Florida. And the way he ran in the wood, it, it, it really tells you a lot about how he's coming into running, running these route races. I, I definitely think he's, He's an interesting, interesting horse. He's he's looked well at Churchill Downs as well. Now let's and talk I, about that pedigree. Uh, yeah. yeah. Union Rags won a Belmont, and he's second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. But let's talk about that female family. Beat the Drums is out of Storm Flag Flying, who was a Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies winner for Shug back in that's probably back early 2000s, and then her dam was Personal Ensign, who's one of my favorite wow. horses of all time. Yeah, Thir- you know, thirteen for thirteen, capped it off with the that crazy victory in the Breeders' Cup Distaff when she ran down winning colors. Uh, yeah, this th- this guy's got a ton of pedigree. Uh, yes, it, you know, but uh, like you said, I mean, it, it, the Derby may be too soon for him, but he's a horse I think it could fill out a trifecta at a big price. Yes, I, I think he's one to look at for exotics, and and I, I say, I'll make the prediction now. I think he wins the Belmont. Bold call. Uh, I was thinking about him in the wood because I hadn't paid much attention to the horse, I'll be honest with you. But I can make the case that in the wood, that maybe he got the lead and didn't see Burbonic coming, that maybe mm-hmm. he got the lead too soon, or, or you know, Kendra Carmouche gave the horse a great ride. May, there's a possibility that, you know, he just kind of lollygagged on the front end when he got the lead, and, and he may have never seen the winner coming. So I, I kind of give him that a bit of an asterisk. So I, again, I'm going to upgrade. That horse a little more uh, upon you, you folks' recommendation. Yes, and he's supposed to work again. I believe I believe Pletcher uh, has moved up the works to tomorrow because of the weather. So we'll we'll see what happens with with tomorrow's works. I, I think Pletcher has most of his work scheduled for tomorrow. So we'll see these last works how they look. Okay, good deal. Uh, one more from the Pletcher barn is Sainthood, son of Imshawish. Uh, and he's uh, he's only run three times, and uh, he had some trouble in the Jeff Ruby Stakes last time. He finished a fast closing second behind like the King. Uh, any hope for Sainthood? I I don't see him as a winner. I definitely will have this horse in my exotics. I think that this horse is very underrated. He is lightly lightly raced, and Todd Pletcher has expressed his own concern about that, and that is obviously something to worry about. But I, I absolutely loved that, that race at Turfway. I, I thought he had a troubled trip and came on strong. Uh, tremendous pedigree with Mishawisha, a Medallia de Oro sire, who's, who's really, I, th- I think, a, an up-and-coming sire. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this horse is an unknown factor. This is one of the horses that, that will come up and bite you in the exotics if, if you don't I- include him in there. Right. I, I think that this is one that I will definitely have. Right, like an impeachment or an invisible mm-hmm. ink or somebody yeah. like that, yeah. All right, uh, that's that's the bulk of the ones that I'd want to cover. I mean, we we didn't we didn't get them all. Soup and sandwich, helium, super stock, like the king. Uh, any any of those strike your fancy, JJ? King Fury, if he draws in. Um, king Fury is interesting if he does draw in. Um, I, I think I mean for exotics, obviously, I, I think he would be one to look at. That was just a monster race. Um, I, I would I would say, yeah, the, some of these that have just that have just drawn in on the lower end of the point scale, uh, I just don't see them playing much of much of a factor. I think uh, you know Burbonic is a good horse. I don't think his win was a fluke. He reminds me a lot of looking at Lee, the Asmussen horse. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. yeah. He finished second at long odds. Um, I, he reminds me of looking at Lee, but he would he would need to get the right scenario. 
to get that. Um, you know, Superstock is one that I just, uh, he's in draw reigns. Uh, he's the one that you see in draw reigns in the mornings. I think Midnight Bourbon has a better chance than Superstock of the Asmussen crew. Um, like the King, I did not like his work on Dirt. I, I don't have him. Uh, hidden, yeah, Hidden Stash. I'm looking over the list here. Uh, Soup and Sandwich is, is Soup and Sandwich is, is a little goofball. He's, he's an interesting horse. When you watch him gallop, he gallops with his head down almost on the ground. Uh, he's, he's not a great horse to train, but, but when he runs, he runs really well. He, he did run on his left lead a lot um, in his races, but I, I don't have him faring here. Helium, they're doing a lot of work from the gate with Helium because of the layoff. So you'll see a lot of interesting training tactics with Helium because he hasn't raced in a while. Um, why, but did, why, why did you why do you think they skipped the last prep with helium? Do you think that, that Tampa Bay Derby just knocked him out? Yeah, it could be. You know, I don't I don't know why they wouldn't have have set him up for for another race unless that's the reason. Um, I, I definitely think it really hurt hurt his chances not to have yeah. another race. He, he looks like a just looking on third. He, he ran a nice number feet with, you know, with the seven weeks between races. He, he you know. I've seen crazier things happen. You know, underneath I, I, maintain that, I maintain that he ran a better race than people give him credit for. He was wide the whole way, and he's and he he went to the lead at will. The thing is, it's seven weeks off, and he beat he beat nothing in that race. But I, I do think Helium has the opportunity if this race doesn't knock him out to be a good horse down the road. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Hozier Hozier's in the race now too. Do you guys know that? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, Hozier keeping King Fury out right now. Yes. Oh, I don't like him at all. No, I don't like him. <laughs> that's all we're gonna say about Hozier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that that uh, uh, I'm not gonna hold you to this, JJ. But if you had to pick a top three right now, uh, there's a lot to ha- got to happen between now and next Saturday, post draw and and everybody's last workouts. But if you had to pick a top three, maybe Oof. well, I'll just say your t- top two picks and a long shot. What, what would you say? Oof, top two picks and a long shot. Uh. Let's see. My, my long shot would definitely be St. Hood. Um, that, that would be my long shot to, do, to, to give a good showing. Um, I would say my top, top two picks at this moment would be Hot Rod Charlie and Medina Spirit. Whoa. Oh, nice. Medina Spirit's a long shot. You, just, you should go to <laughs> with that one. Yeah, nice. I mean, Medina Spirit's going to be, I don't know, 40 to 1, 30, 40 to 1. That, that... Oh, no way. No way. You don't think so? Medina Spirit? No, the I see. number. The Baffert yeah. effect will, yeah, the yeah, Baffert effect will take them down. 10 to 15 to 1. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I don't know. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who's the longest shot in the field? Who do y'all think off the top of your head? Mm, hidden stash? Her. Hidden stash or Hoser? Nah, Hoser again, Baffert factor. Like get a king. Her, get her number. Yeah, I get her number. I, I yeah. forgot about get her number. So, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you're is, that right. is that one going to be in? Get her number. That's Peter Miller, right? Yeah, I think that one's yeah. going to get in. So. Okay, yeah, give me that one. It's the longest shot in the field. Yeah, yeah we're right. still waiting for word on Dream Shake. We don't know if Dream Shake is going to go here or in the Pat Day Mile. That's right. I it would think they're going to lean Pat Day mile. Day mile, aren't they? They're not. It'd be a pretty good fit. I think yeah, they're I think pretty so. good fit for the horse. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's turn the page, and you know, every year. The Oaks gets overshadowed. Hey man, it's a shame. My goodness, it is a fascinating race this year. This 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 thing is just it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, uh, JJ, let's. Uh, I mean, what, what what are your thoughts on the on the Oaks? I mean, we got some really nice, well-bred fillies in here. This is going to be a, a this is going to be a what do they call it a a whacker. 
<laughs> yes. Um, they say in Australia. <laughs> that, that is the word for it. This is an amazing race. This is one of the most contentious oaks I think we've had in a long time. I mean, how do you narrow this down? And like you said, some of these pedigrees are, are just absolutely amazing. And it's also interesting. We have a lot of really accomplished gray horses in this year's race. I think there's there's four gray horses in the in the top top ten. Um, you you look at these these accomplishments, and it's it's just so hard to narrow down. I mean, you've got Malathat, who's undefeated for Todd Pletcher and looks amazing on the track. How are you going to go against Malathat? But then you have Travel Column, um, who also has great accomplishments. Uh, in the battle with Clarier, of course, the rivalry is very interesting. I think I would give Travel Column the edge, uh, but Clarier sure is, sure is a nice horse. So you've got a Crazy Beautiful. Interesting thing about Crazy Beautiful is she had an issue uh, last year with, with uh, she, she cross-striked, which is when a horse strikes their, their front toes against their back heels when they run, and they fixed that. And if you notice, her form has greatly improved since they took the time off and worked with her on that. So Crazy Beautiful is, is one to watch out for. That, that's a horse to watch. I think Pauline's Pearl, if there's an off track, Pauline's Pearl moves up big time, loves an off track. Um, gosh, there's, there's just some, Will Secret is great for exotics. That's a speed yeah. horse. Yeah. Yeah, and search results. Well, not last time. Search results. Will for, Secret uh, rallied from off the pace last time. Huh. Prior to that, was on or near the lead. So the connections uh, think she's really going to like uh, the stretch, the long stretch run at Churchill Downs. The connections are very confident that she's going to run pretty well. Will Secret? We talking about Will Secret still? Yeah. Yeah. And Chad Brown's pretty high on search results, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he? Yes, and and good with good reason. When the gazelle at a mile and eight, three for three. Now she's on the pace a lot, so if she gets shuffled back. You know, we don't know how she's going to react to that, but she's definitely a contender. It's it's just so hard to narrow down. Uh, ironically, this this Philly's half brother, Blue Steel, won today at Keeneland, won that starter lounge race and race. Oh, right. that right. Blue, Blue Steel was supposed to be the second coming back as a two year old, uh, but he 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 didn't pan out. So. <laughs> Dale, Dale Romans has had a lot of second horses that were supposed to be second comings <laughs> that eventually don't pan out, <laughs> unfortunately. He, he should name a horse second coming. <laughs> yeah, he really should. He really should. I'll uh, tell you what. I mean, look at these pedigrees, though. So, uh, Clarier. Clarier. Pauline's pedigree. Pearl is a half sister to Always Dreaming, I think. Hot Dixie Chick? Or, or in the Dixie family. Chick. In the family, yeah. In the family of Always Dreaming, maybe. Out of Hot Dixie Chick. and Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, Malathot is a daughter of Dreaming of Julia, who at the time had run the fastest third graph figure of all time at, at Gulfstream. Uh, Clarier is a daughter of Cavorting. I think Cavorting yeah. was a good Kieran McLaughlin. Kieran McLaughlin. Great one winner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, this goes on and on and on. This is just uh, there's a lot going on in here. It's it's going to be a great betting race. Uh, I can't get out of my head the 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 close of Malathot in the Ashland. Yeah, where she she had no business winning that race. The mile and sixteenth with short stretch and past the champagne was gone, and Malathot ran her down. I I I think that's probably going to be my my horse, but and she was coming off a layoff. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. What I liked about that race is past the champagne had the the ideal trip where uh it was uh, simply ravishing was on the lead and simply ravishing just stopped. There was something wrong with simply ravishing. Past the champagne knew. Something was wrong, so he, he punched the gas. He punched the gas and opened up on the turn with that short stretch of Keeneland. That's a recipe 
for a win. That is a recipe for a win. And Malathat still ran her down with giant strides. There, there's a lot of really good horses in that race. Malathat might be a monster, but there might be six monsters in there. So right, it's, right. it's it's a great it's a great race. This reminds me of the uh, the the one that. Uh, Princess of Silmar won. There was like, oh yeah, there were yeah. three or four super horses in there, and Princess of Th- Silmar was like twenty to one and ran them all down. I think Beholder was second, maybe. Uh, that was Dreaming of Julia's year, I think. Dreaming of Julia, Dreaming was, Julia was third or fourth that year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the moon. JJ, let's pin you down on this one. What, uh, what do you think uh, in the Oaks? Uh, is there anything that maybe stands out a week in advance? Uh, the only thing I say, if, if you're going to go against gets Malathat, I would say take a look at Crazy Beautiful. Just mm-hmm. just take a look and, and see. I think Travel Column's got a got a good chance. Like I said, if it's an off track, Pauline's Pearl is is one who could step up. Um, and and I would include Will Secret on your on your exotics when you do your boxing, uh, because you're going to get a good price on Will Secret. But it's it's hard to go against. Like you said, I, I agree that it's hard to go against Malathat for the win position. I think. Is she's just shown so much. It, how do you go against that? Right. Crazy beautiful is a horse. I, I I would love to use my uh key horse underneath my uh, uh, uh tries and supers. I think crazy beautiful. Who, who has the mount on that horse? Robbie used to ride her. Jose, or oh, Jose Ortiz. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a that's a that's a bit of a tiny little upgrade. So that that might that might help out a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, any other questions or thoughts about the Oaks? Are, are you going to the Oaks with the Derby, JJ? I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to. <laughs> well, I hope you get through, too. Uh, it, it's nice to have a May Derby again, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And we're, we don't know the, the true forecast yet, but, of course, we're hoping that it, it won't be a slop fest because – it looks good so far. It looks good so far. It's supposed to rain this Saturday, but we'll take a, we'll take rain this Saturday as opposed to next Saturday. I think we all agree with that. Yes, definitely. A lot, a lot of these horses in the Derby, some of them we, we don't know how they would act on a on a sloppy track. So. I know old Basil's is by Orb, and Orb won it in the slop. Yep. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, let's wrap it up right here. Uh, JJ, you, you're fantastic as always. Uh, I like like Alan said, I could listen to you talk about these horses all night i mean this dead is, serious this, yes yeah this is you're you you've got your knowledge down pat so uh uh so good luck to you i hope you hope you make it to the oaks and derby and uh, uh any parting shots for jj before uh, before we uh hang it up for the evening i don't know i guess i gotta go put two dollars on medina spirit now <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to or maybe it's 202 dollars yeah. i gotta put down the medina spirit he won't believe he won't believe me, but he'll believe you, JJ. So. That is true. He, you are right about that. All right. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take a second look at Medina Spirit because that was not on my radar. But you're right. If Baffert's here, he knows what he's doing. Very, you know, very good. Uh, just so many wins in his column on the Derby and just the recent success. You got to really think about it. Still going to be 20 to 1, though. I'm going to tell you all, they'll still be 20 to 1. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Could be. Okay. All right. Well, that's. Uh, Let's wrap it up right here, and uh, we want to thank JJ Heisel. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Trifecta Box, T-R-I-F-E-C-T-A-B-O-X, and I guarantee you she knows what she's talking about. So it's, she's, a good, she's a good follow on Twitter. Uh, that We'll wrap it up for now. On behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers and JJ, this is CC Broadus reminding you at home that gambling money ain't got no home. Good night.